don't know what, what were you doing at 12 years old? Some of y'all just went like, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> I mean, at, at, at 12 years old, what was your interest? What were you all into, you know? I mean, at 12 years old, you're in that moment of life where you don't want to be called a child, but you're still a child. You, you're, you're in that identification moment trying to find identity, trying to find yourself, so to speak, trying to push back parents a little bit, knowing you need them, but trying to push back a little bit to find yourself. And your parents are thinking, if you push back a little bit too much, I'm fixing to whoop you. You know what I'm saying? Amen. I mean, I, 12 years old is awkward, right? I mean, how many of you remember the hairstyle you had at 12 years old? Or the many hairstyles you had at 12 years old, right? I mean, at 12 years old, I was parting my hair in the middle one week. The next week, yeah, and it was funny too, just like that. Because that part went from here all the way to the back. It looked like a shot, um, you know, a rifle. And it, it clear, cleared out the back too. One week, I'd have it parted on the side. I even got a perm. <laughs> Michael, I look like Orphan Annie, the boy, the boy side, <laughs> with the freckles and all. It was rough. Twelve years old. But you know, I go back to Luke chapter 4, actually Luke chapter 2, and at twelve years old, I look at Jesus. Now, I mean... They've gone to Jerusalem for a, a festival, the festival, Feast of Passover. And Jesus has come along with them. He's 12 years old. And, you know, they've done their thing. They've been to the temple. They leave the temple. They think Jesus is with them. And, you know, there's a large group of them who have gathered, who have went. And, and, and here they get a day's journey out and start wondering, well, where's Jesus? And so they start searching for him, looking amongst the people, asking, have you seen Jesus? I remember vividly going to Europe with my, my parents, and you've probably heard me say this before, and the people on the bus, when we were traveling, they, they started calling me, where's Paul? I said, my name's Paul. They said, but your mama, every time she says your name, it's where's Paul? Because everywhere we went, I had to be, you know, looking at everything. And so she was afraid I was going to get left in Europe somewhere. Where's Paul? So imagine Jesus' mother as she was going through the crowds. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Wouldn't it be great if more people these days were saying, where's Jesus? Come on. And, and, and finally, they make their way back to Jerusalem. They God, you got to get this. They have traveled a day's journey away, and now they are make, they've made their way back. They're looking around Jerusalem, and they go to the temple, and guess what? There's Jesus. And, you know, we're often around here with the 12-year-old saying, Would you stop running? I have never heard any of y'all say that, right? Is that how you're supposed to act in church? 
Come on. And yet here's Jesus sitting with all these people. He is asking questions. He's listening intently. He's answering questions. The Bible says that he is that they're amazed at his answers as he's answering questions. And finally, around verse 49, I think it is, um, Jesus' mother finds him, and they said, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. Boy, I wish more people were anxiously looking for Jesus. Wouldn't our world be different if they were anxiously looking for Jesus? If they, if they realized that they couldn't go on without him, if they realized that they needed him and there was no other way to go and keep on going, but with Jesus is the only way, come on. And Jesus had a response. He says, look, don't you know where you'll find me? He says, I have to be about my father's business. My father's business. You know, I, I, this is a side note, but I believe that 12-year-old young people today still have the same capability of being disciples. Come on. I think too often we babysit them and teach them uh, Noah had an arky arky and, and we don't realize that they need the depths of the word of God because if they're going to face the, tr- the trials that this world's throwing on them in their school, because let me tell you something, at 12 years old today, it's not an innocent world anymore. At 12 years old today, kids are learning about and discussing things that would make you blush. And, and we need to make sure that we're giving them the meat of God's word. We need to make sure that we are discipling them. We need to make sure that we are preparing them for what they will face when they, when they hit the world, when they go to the school. Come on. Amen. I'm thankful that we have a team that has has been looking at and preparing and, and doing just that. But we need to make sure that we... Get our children to those places. Amen? So that they can be discipled and prepared. That's a side note. That's free. It's all right. But when I think about what Jesus said, I have to be about my father's business, it brought me to a scripture that there's a prophecy of his coming, and it's out of Isaiah chapter 61. And and Jesus actually quoted the scripture in Luke chapter 4. And in this passage, if you want to go with me, I'm going to be looking at Luke chapter 4, around verse 16, around that area. And I see here that, should I have my glasses on? Maybe. No, don't have them on, but it's all right. We're good, all right? So, verse 16, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, I like to hear this, as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath. These people who make excuses about not being in church. Now, I I get why some people are home in this season. But when people say, me and Jesus got our own thing. Mm -mm. Because even Jesus gave us an example. You want to follow Jesus' example? He had a custom of going to church. Amen? As was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stood up and he read. Now, I want you to understand, I, I, I don't know if it was just 
the, the scroll that was given to him that day. I don't know if this was just the, the reading for the day, but I do realize that, that he was given a scroll, a book, and he opened the book. Now, something is unique about this opportunity because Jesus was very intentional. The Bible says that he looked through it to come to this specific place. Now, when you open your Bible, you got these little uh, tabs or you got these little chapters and numbers and you can say, well, that's just chapter 61, verse 1. Why didn't Jesus find that? It's like that, right? But they didn't have chapter and verse. So you can imagine them bringing out a scroll, right? And I'm not talking about chapter 1. I'm not talking about chapter 2. But I'm talking about way down in the scroll. I mean, he's like, you know, roll that baby out. You know, he's, you know what I'm saying? He's looking at this thing. He's got, he is absolutely trying to find. So I don't know how long that took. I mean, if I asked you to go to Isaiah 61, some of you might take 10 minutes to find Isaiah 61. Mm. I'm playing. But Jesus intentionally took time to go to a specific scripture. Now, you know, a lot of people uh, say, well, Jesus, he didn't really want people to know who he was till later on in his ministry. But you got to realize this is chapter 4. <laughs> this is at the beginning of his ministry. He had just been baptized. He had been led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And here is his moment of initiation of ministry. And he goes to the temple and he takes this scroll and he opens up to this specific passage. And this is what it says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed. Wow. I mean, the very first part of that is a proclamation. Basically, we're looking at Isaiah's proclamation of a, of a coming Messiah. And so... Here he, here he is, he's opening, opening the scripture and he's looking at Isaiah's prophetic moment of speaking about the Messiah, the, the Messiah being announced saying the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's been empowered by the spirit of God. That's powerful, guys. Amen? It's a declaration of who he is. And he goes on and if Jesus, the son of God, the God son, perfect in both his deity and humanity, needs the anointing of the Spirit. How much more do we need this, the anointing of the Holy Spirit these days? Come on. And thank God that he's promised us that we, we, should, we can tarry in Jerusalem, if you will, until we be endued with power, until we be anointed by the Holy Spirit. But because the Lord has anointed me, this identifies, this, this identifies the, the specific scripture that he is the Messiah, that he is the anointed one. We find that in Psalms chapter 2. We find that in Samuel chapter 2 and 10. It refers to the Messiah being the anointed one. So he is the anointed one. Amen? Amen. So I think, go, go with me a little bit. Because in the Old Testament, we, we recognize that the word anointed means to rub or to, to put on, right? And so in the Old Testament, they would anoint people, they would anoint them for sickness, they would anoint them for various purposes, but, but there were specific anointings because a priest would be anointed and they would pour the oil over their head as, as an anointment to, to show uh, an inward work that was already done in them, that they're appointed by God for this specific role. Now, we understand that 
when God anointed Jesus, it was for a specific role. And the, the word anointed meaning the Messiah, the, and so the, the, the Christ. But in the New Testament, we find that Christians under the New Covenant also have an anointing. How many, how many have an anointing this morning? 1 John chapter 2 and 20 says, you have an anointing from the Holy One. So in other words, you've got to realize that though we serve the anointed one, we are to carry out the anointing of God to this world. Amen? I got one amen. We are to carry out this anointing to the world. The world needs to see the anointing of God on us, his vessels. What does it mean Christian, Christ-like, we are to walk in his likeness. We understand we have an anointing from the Holy One of God to go out into the world. We are filled and we are blessed by the Holy Spirit. This is something that, that, that is common for those who call on the Lord Jesus Christ as, his, as their Lord and Savior. Amen. But what I love is the fact that in this scripture, we also recognize that, that Jesus stopped in the middle, in the middle of a proclamation. Because if you look, go back into Isaiah chapter 61, uh, it, it doesn't stop with to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, but it also says, and the vengeance, right? Now, Marvin, I, I, as I was reading this, I, I kind of looked back and I was like, well, why did Jesus stop in the middle? But, but I have to realize that this is a twofold prophecy because this was... It helps us understand that prophecy can change. I mean, the climate of prophecy can change in a moment. We read prophecy and we think, well, this is, this is happening now. We, we talk about prophetic things taking place even in our time right now. And we think we, we are closer now than we've ever begun. And we see this. And Jesus knew that, that this was his first coming, right? And so he stopped that this is, I'm proclaiming the favorable of the Lord. Now, the second coming will be something different. It is then that he said that the vengeance, right? That he'll declare the vengeance, right? So, so let's look at what Jesus did because anytime you see God declaring something in Christ Jesus, we can see a demonstration of how it acts because what did he come to do? It says that because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now too many times we get in the mindset that, that our ministry is just to those who are impoverished. And, and we put all of our resources into the idea that, that the world is poor and we need to help the poor. Now, I'm not diminishing the fact that we help the poor. Come on. We help those who struggle. We help those who are distraught. But what Jesus is declaring, he wasn't saying, I'm coming to help those who are poor without stuff. Because you can relate to this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 in the Beatitudes. He says, for blessed are the poor in spirit right and so when we understand poor being those who who recognize that they were not spiritually arrogant mm. i mean it, it goes on and it kind of gives an, a picture of what spiritual arrogance looks like because those who are listening to jesus they say why well, isn't he such a sweet boy it's kind of like our southerners would say bless his heart right i mean look and he closed the book, he gave it back to the attendant, he sat down. In other words, when Jesus, uh, he was, at that moment, he stopped, he was basically saying, hey, this is, this is fulfilled. I am the Messiah. I am the one that this is talking about, right? 
and, 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 all, and all who were speaking well of him. Think about this. Um, look, I appreciate all y'all's kind words sometimes. <laughs> Amen. But kind words, you got to be careful from kind words. You know what I'm saying? All who were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words with which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, is this not Joseph's son? <laughs> Y'all get that? I mean, Jesus just declared. I am the son of God. Jesus has declared, I am the anointment. I'm the fulfillment of this word. I am God right here in front of you. And they're like, oh, those are sweet words. That's such, such a blessing. That's so nice. Aren't you Joseph's son? Hmm? How many have ever been in that place? You're walking out. You're now proclaiming God's word because God has transformed you. God has touched your life. You're no longer the old person. And you're talking to somebody and say, aren't you the drunk that I knew? Aren't you that crazy kid from high school? Huh? Everybody wants to remind you of their past, right? Of your past. Everybody wants to put you in a box and limit you. And, and that's the mindset. Look, they didn't, they, they're looking at Joseph. We don't need you. We, we have what we need. We, we come to this synagogue every Sunday. We don't need you. We don't need your words. We don't need your proclamations. You can go on your way. And Jesus declared, look, a prophet is not known in his own hometown. And then he declares, he said, look, Elijah recognize that during the famine there was no food this is going on in this chapter four if you're following along and he goes on and he's like look there was a famine there was nothing everybody was starving and the widows there were absolutely widows who had needs amongst israel but elijah didn't go to israel did he the bible says he went to zarephath and sidon and there he met a widow let me tell you something we have to realize that the anointing of God is for us. We can't get so spiritually, uh, so spiritually haughty and so, so righteous and religious in ourselves and say, well, that's for somebody else. That's just for them. That's for those over there. Because everybody needs Jesus. Amen? Everybody needs Jesus. He goes on and says, well, look. I mean, look, there's lepers all around. There's people with leprosy all around Israel. But guess who, guess who got healed? It was Naaman. It was one of those heathens. It was one of those people out there because they were spiritually poor, right? It wasn't, look, I mean, he's literally going against the idea that this is for poverty because he goes to Naaman, who was an officer, who was a wealthy person who had everything he needed in the physical world but he was spiritually poor Naaman recognized that he didn't have everything that he needed he needed Jesus come on he needed a spiritual touch and so he said look and the prophet went to Naaman look we live in the Bible belt we live in the center of Christianity right here and we have so many people who are religious and they're religiously lost they're, I mean, you, you, we have people who, who literally walk in sin and, and justify it through words and act like nothing's wrong. And you ask them how their relationship with God is, they're high-fiving you. I know Jesus. 
and yet walking in sin. But Jesus said, I have come to preach the gospel to those who are spiritually poor, those who recognize their need for me. I pray for an opening of the eyes of our society. I pray for an opening of eyes for the body of Christ because there are so many even in the body of Christ. Look, there's a preacher in Georgia declaring that abortion's okay. I mean, I would hate to be him standing before God at judgment time when recognizing that if we read Psalms 139, that it was God who knitted them together in the mother's womb. And, and, and to think that somebody would say, oh, that's not a baby. Are they, are they better than God? Do they have a knowledge above God that I don't understand? The Bible says to cast down every thought that, uh, that brings itself above the knowledge of God. So I need to cast those words down, right? I need to reject those words. That's not God. It's sad when even ministers of the gospel stand in pulpits who have, who have become so spiritually arrogant that they don't recognize their need for God. Because look, when, 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 ministers, when ministers get into that mindset, how are they leading their people? Where are they taking them? Are they blind shepherds? The Bible talks about blind shepherds. Are they blind shepherds leading their congregations? I would hate to stand before God in that day thinking that I have led someone in a wrong path. And people, I love you, and I pray that if you ever hear me say something that would lead you in a stray or is off from God's word, please come tell me. I am not in any position or place to think that I cannot be corrected because I recognize I need Jesus just as much as you need Jesus. I need help just as much as you need help. Amen? Amen. I mean, literally, these people, these, listen, they just, they just heard this, him declaring that the, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, and then just a few passages away, just a few moments away, then they're leading him to the edge of the city to throw him overboard. Come on. To throw him off the cliff. Look, the world will, wants to throw you off the cliff because they, they're spiritually prideful. They may not know Jesus. They may not even be a part of the church, but they're spiritually prideful because they're spiritually arrogant. They don't think they need God. They think they are self-sufficient. Why do I need God? I can do everything. I'm the one that works. I'm the one that pays my bills. They don't realize the fact that the very breath that they breathe, the very energy that they have to get up every single morning is a gift of God. And they don't realize that one day every knee, not just some, not just those who say, I love you, Jesus, but every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is the Lord. He is the Lord. Amen. Every knee. Jesus. Amen. So we need to be careful because he has come to preach to those who are spiritually poor. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I'm so glad that I can recognize I know where I came from. You know what I'm saying? Those people who forget who those people who want to forget where they came from, that's that's the sad ones. But I know where I came from. Uh, it, it might have been across the tracks, but it wasn't those tracks. <laughs> I know where I came from. I know what I, I know what I went through. I know the, the stupidity. That I did. I, I, I recognize the dumb things that I did. I know that I had phenomenal 
parents who loved me, who were even youth pastors at one time, who, who, who led youth. Matter of fact, the young person this past week put up a picture of, of our youth group when I was a, a young teenager, and they were talking, and, and here's what they said. They said, thank you to Jane and Cecil Dyer for being such good leaders for us. And here in my thought, I'm thinking, man, they were so good to everybody else, and I was the stupid one climbing out of the window trying to get away from their ministry. But I recognize where I come from. Don't forget how far God has brought you. Don't forget that no matter how close you get to Him, you still need Him. And no matter how blessed you are, you are never too blessed to not need the Lord because your blessings come from Him. Amen? And we need Jesus. We need to remain in a place of spiritual poverty. I mean, think about this. Paul himself said, I will glory in my weakness because it is in my weakness that he is made strong. You know, the, the, the hardest struggle with, with most people, even those who uh, come to like celebrate recovery or whatever, the hardest part that we find is the fact that I got this. Come on. I got this. I'm good. How many, how many have ever heard that? I'm good. Have you ever said that? I'm good. Too often we get into a place where we don't we 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 get so prideful that we deny the very need that we we need people. We need God. We need help. Don't get to that place where where spiritual pride keeps you from receiving the very help that you need to be overcomers in Christ Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Amen. We need him. We need him. But, but it goes on, it says, because he's anointed me to preach the, the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. When, when I think about this, I, I'm led down to verse 32. And he, the Bible says he came down to Capernaum, and then verse 32, and, and they were amazed at his teaching, and his message was with authority. Look, we judge authority we judge preachers on how they deliver a message right i'm not getting fed and and really it doesn't have anything to do with the message it has to do with the style of the preaching come on sorry i've heard that before but you know even in in lee college that's what I, I graduated from Lee College, right? I was old school. My wife graduated from Lee University. She's high class. But in Lee College, I was in a pastoral one-on-one class, and they were, um, they were talking about preachers. And basically, we sat in a class listening to preachers, critiquing preachers. You know how many years it took me to stop critiquing preachers? Right? And, and, and just start looking at me and say, because I used to, put my hands in my pocket and jingle my keys and I chew cheering gum while I'm trying to preach and I do all kinds of stupid stuff. Kind of like I do now. But anyway, um, but I was so busy critiquing preachers that I, that, that I lost sight of the message. Because in reality, there's a message that God wants us to get and, and it doesn't matter if it's a 10-year-old who gets up here 
on a Sunday morning before being baptized a couple weeks ago and says, Jesus is Lord and I want to follow him. A message loud and clear that everybody needs to grasp. He is the Lord and we need to follow him. Amen. It might be simplistic. Maybe it's too simple for you, but I'm telling you what. It's not too simple because that path of following him means a whole, whole lot. Amen? Amen. But he taught with authority. And, 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 and what it was saying is that the words that he used were authoritative. I've, I've seen a th- words used in authority, and it wasn't, I mean, because especially in our Pentecostal realm. How many of you guys were raised in a Pentecostal church? All right. How many of you were raised in a, a, a more non-emotional church, <laughs> right? And, and, I mean, my wife was raised in First Baptist Tullahoma. She's First Baptocostal now. But, but coming, into the, coming into a Pentecostal church, it was, I mean, she believed, I mean, she could read the Word, she, she hungry, wanted to know more, and understood, she she grasped that, but, but there were these people who would come around the front and some would be like, hang on! And they'd be like, turn loose! And we were like confusing people, right? We're just like, woo! Shouting and screaming. And, 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 and you know what? I probably am still that way. But the most dynamic woman that blessed my soul in Honduras was a, a lady named Lydia and she was a, a, a woman pastor in a little small church and, and we went there one night and there was a person who was sick and you know us Pentecostal let me get some oil we're going to slap we're going to slap the head and we're going to shout woo in Jesus name come on be healed right I watched that little lady come over, and, and man, what an anointing she carried. And she walked up with, with tranquility and a peace of God so full. And she spoke just a gentle word over this lady, and immediately she was healed. Don't get confused by the deliverance of a message. Don't get tore up about how something's delivered. Look, the authority of God's word may come in different fashions, but it's still authoritative. Amen? It might look different for you. If your preference is something quieter, I get that, right? If your preference is somebody shouting louder, jumping over the pew, swinging from the chandelier, I get that. But don't get confused by the message, right? Because the message is still powerful no matter who's delivering. Amen. Amen. It says that he proclaimed, and he sent me to proclaim release to the captives. And it goes on down, and, and, and you find himself in Capernaum, and he's saying these words, and his message was with authority. In, in the synagogue, was, there was a man possessed by the spirit of an unclean demon. Now, I, I don't know if there's a clean demon or an unclean demon. I just know there's, you know... I ain't got that one yet. But anyway, 
I'm still searching. And he cried out with a loud voice, let us alone. What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet, come out of him. Let me tell you something today. Sadly is, is I'm not sure if we're spiritually astute enough to recognize that there's demonic activity going on around us. There are people who are full of the devil. I had an accountant when I, I pastored one church and, and the, uh, the people who were working with, with one of the projects that I had, I'm being very careful. One of the projects I had had misled and, and misguided the scenario. And, and so I called an accountant to come and sit down with us to go over the church finances. Because look, there's one thing about it. Uh, I want to make sure we're appropriate with God's money. Right? Because it, 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 anything you give, we want to know where it's going. And we want to make sure it's going out appropriately. Right? So... I brought this accountant in, and, and the other couple sat in front of me and with the accountant, and the accountant looked at me. He just said, brother, they full of the devil. <laughs> I said, Lord, it took the accountant to come in here to tell me they're full of the devil. But there's people full of the devil around us. They're spewing things. There's people full of demonic influences and, and we've gotten so we've gotten so cute and so fluffy in our relationship with God that we're 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 not willing to recognize that there's demonic activity going on around us. Look, we are still in a warfare, people. There are people who are who are intentionally wanting to destroy the body of Christ, intentionally wanting to lead people astray, intentionally coming in in wolf's clothing, wanting to acting like sheep, wanting to wanting to to displace and tear down the body of Christ. We need to be aware what the enemy's doing. We need to be willing to speak with authority. And I want you to understand, Jesus, when he spoke to the person, he wasn't saying, you old demon. We had an incident recently where demonic activity was displayed out of a person. And I'm thankful for the, the person that was speaking to uh, the other who was a mature Christian and recognized that this was not that person speaking. I mean, we, we I don't, I, do you realize that, that those things still happen today? I mean, some organizations will tell you, well, the, the tongue stopped and, you know, prophecy stopped with the disciples. But you know, in the same scripture they want to use in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 also said that knowledge stopped. And I think that I mean, I mean, believe me, some young people seem to be dumber and dumber these days, but I don't believe knowledge stopped. But just like those spiritual gifts did not stop, there's still demonic activity that is raging. We only want to look at, well, there's an angel of the Lord in here. God, well, look. I'm going to tell you right now that there's demonic activity that wants to tear down and destroy the body of Christ. And just as Jesus confronted the demoniac in that moment and declared, get out of him. Come on. 
We need to be willing to confront the enemy at every stage of the way because we are victorious. We have the word of authority of God to be able to declare to the enemy, get out in Jesus' name. You're not welcome here. This is the house of God. We have anointed this place. This is God's place. This is our abode where we come to worship God. You're not welcome. Amen. Some of you need to go home to your house because he says that I have come to set the captives free. Some of you need to go to the house and say, look, you demoniac in my house, in Jesus' name, I've anointed this place. You are, this does not belong to you. You're no longer welcome here. I will not open the door for you anymore. I close the door in Jesus' name. This is God's house. I am God's child, and this is God's place. Amen. Amen. He came to proclaim release to the captives. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Amazement came on everybody. Came up with all. And they began talking with one another. What is this message? What is this message? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits that they have to come out. You know, I liken this because the next passage says, and recovery of sight to the blind, right? In verse 18. Recover sight to the blind. How many people sit on pews in church and don't realize the authority of God? I mean, God help us for an awakening moment that the Word is not just a book sitting on a shelf that's gathering dust at our home. It's not just something that we read for religious venue. It's not just something that grandma gave us and thought was a good thing, so we should do it too. But the word, when it is alive, it is quicker than any two-edged sword. It is powerful. And if the body of Christ recognized the authority that they carry around with them, what a powerful giant would be raised up in our society that the world would have a convincing mark to say, man, there is something about those Christian people because they are anointed and powerful. Lord, open the blinded eyes and help us to recognize that there's no one limiting us for the use of the authority of God but us ourselves. Amen? Why don't I live like that? How do you live for him? Why don't I experience that? How are you committed to him? Come on. I mean, look, I know us men, especially at Christmas time, we get these gifts, we want to put them together for our kids, and we get the, we get the thing out, and we, we look at the instructions one time, well, I got this, and we throw it away. And then we, we get it put together, and there's three parts missing. We're like, how did that happen? We've been given an instruction book, a manual, a living word, a sword that's powerful, that can impact the world, that can change and transform a drunkard and make him into a sober, tongue-talking preacher. I'm telling you, the power is powerful. God, open the blinded eyes. Help us to see what's the truth. Help us to open, help us to be understanding and recognize that you are still at work even today. You're setting the captives free. I mean, amen. 
Amen. The, ne- the next one says, verse 38, Then he got up and he left the synagogue and entered Simon's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from uh, a high fever, and they asked him to he- help her. Now, you know, the next verse says that he set free those who were oppressed. I'm not sure if it was Simon who was oppressed or his mother-in-law. How many of y'all got a mother-in-law? I'm just saying. I'm getting in trouble now. I'm sorry. Mother-in-law, if you're watching, I love you. (laughs) Yeah. But think. The Bible says that she was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him to help her. How many have ever had a high fever? What does it feel like? It's heavy, ain't it? It's a weight on you. It's oppressive. And here he is, he's going into this mother-in-law to his Simon Peter's house and his, the mother-in-law's there and she's with high fever and he goes over and stands over her and heals her, sets her free. And the Bible says that, that she got up. How many know that when, when you've been delivered from oppression, you get up, right? Somebody needs to get up, right? Somebody been hanging around in the low dumps for too long, and Jesus said, get up! You've been set free! He come to set the captives free, come to set liberty those who are oppressed. And the Bible says that, that after he did that, she got up and she started serving, serving that then people began to come. How many know that this work is unending? There's people who are oppressed all around us. There's people who are struggling all around us. People who are, who are struggling with depression and oppression and needing help from God. And, and Jesus is saying, here I am, I'm available. And now Jesus is saying, are you available? Are you available? Are you available? Amen. Lastly. I could preach for another hour, but I want to lastly this because... Because I would go back to Isaiah 61 and talk about what happens after the vengeance of the Lord because I believe it's a declaration of what the body of Christ should be doing now. Because what the body of Christ should be doing now because he said he exchanges uh, the ashes, gives beauty for ashes. The word beauty is literally headdress, like a crown. Think about that. Because so many of the world is walking around in ashes. They're, they're, they're in depression. They're in mourning. But we recognize that, that we've been given a crown of life. And will exchange your ashes for beauty, a crown of life. We have a role to play. We have a job to do. Because in Jesus' final word, as he ended in mid-sentence, the prophet's words, he said, I've come to declare the year of favor of the Lord. Verse 43 says, But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose so he kept on preaching in the synagogues of judah 
This morning, Jesus is still in the deliverance business. He's still at work. Larry, you went in here a while ago when I said, uh, good to have your wife here, but good to have you, buddy. Glad you're home. We carry those who have accepted the Lord as their Savior. You carry this authority. This word that Jesus stood up and declared over himself. He looked at the Father later in John and says, Father, let them be in us. Come on, as, as I am in you, let them be in us. Let us make them one as we are one. So when you recognize that he was anointed, he was the Messiah. And he said, I must go to the Father so that I could send the comforter for you. Why? Because he wanted you to experience the Spirit of God on you. He wanted you to be the light of the world. He wanted you to carry the message just as he had carried the message. He wants you to understand that you're his hands and feet extended in this world. And what better time? When everyone is clamoring over Santa Claus and everyone's clamoring over this and that, what better time to bring about that Jesus is the reason for the season? What better time to, to help someone who's struggling and alone, who's depressed and, and burdened by some entrapment of their own, to say, he's come to set the captives free. I've come to give you a word. A word from the Lord that there's hope in the midst of your hopelessness. There's peace in the midst of your pain. And guess what? You're an over, you can be an overcomer in Christ Jesus. We carry that. We have that message. We carry that authority. We don't have to walk in fear of, of the world. Matter of fact, Jesus says, don't fear them that can destroy the body, but rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell, right? So we don't have to fear the world. But we need to carry a message to the world for them to recognize that we're not afraid of them. That we're not going to back down. We're not going to shut up. We're not going to be silenced. But we're going to speak loudly. And we'll carry a big stick. Come on. And we're going to declare the love of Jesus Christ. Look, I'm not talking about beating people over the head. I know. I sound tough. I am tough. I may sound tough, but look, I'm going to love people who are broken. I'm going to care for people who are hurting because somebody cared for me. Somebody was willing to love me enough when I was broken to drag me in and all, literally quite literally, drag me into an office and say, something's wrong. You need help. <laughs> yeah, I do. Somebody loved me enough to take time when everybody else had written me off. Who have you written off? Who have you said, nah, they've too far gone. Don't give up. Don't give up on that son. Don't give up on that daughter. Don't give up on that spouse. Don't give up on the neighbor. Don't give up on the 
waitress or waiter, don't give up. You are the light of the world. You carry the authority of God. And Jesus is in you because you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Be his hands. Be his feet. Be activated to serve him wherever you go. Ella, whether it be playing soccer in South Carolina, be a light, right? Be a light. Be a champion light, right? Amen. Father, I pray, Lord, that today that we will take this season to renew ourselves. Lord, that we would take the opportunities in all the busy schedules of trying to meet with this group and meet with that family and try to stay away from this family because of whatever. God, I pray that you'll help us to spend some time truly, intentionally seeking your face, recognizing that we need you, that we, don't, we can't do life without you, no matter how far along we are. We need your presence to be with us. And Lord, help us that as we recognize we need your presence to walk in the authority that you've given us. Open our eyes to see the authority of God that you've placed in us. And Lord, help us to be strategically in warfare, understanding that we that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but made mighty to the the pulling down of strongholds. And our weapons are on our knees. And our weapons are the word of God. The weapon is prayer. The weapon is praise. God, help us to recognize that we have authority in this world because we are kingdom people. God, use us to reach the lost, hurting and broken. Help us to love like you loved us. Help us to be patient as you were patient with us. Help us to be gracious as you've been gracious with us. Help us to be long-suffering and kind. God, help us to be self-controlled. Help us, Lord, to bear the fruit of the Spirit to all the world. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Do you love him? Amen. Amen. Hey, next week, I'm excited. Our children are going to be put, putting together a Christmas play. I know that you will love. How many love just to watch these kids, right? I love watching these kids. It's going to be great. Come enjoy these children. It's going to be awesome. Um, for all of you ladies who made the ladies' Christmas party a success last night, thank you. Um, I got to see pictures of all the beautiful tables that y'all decorated, and I got to sample some of the sampling desserts that came to my house last night. It was really good. So... Anyway, thank you guys. Uh, remember next week, uh, the Wednesday before Christmas, we'll not be having service that Wednesday night, and the Wednesday night after, we'll not have Wednesday night service. But all of the Sunday services will continue as scheduled, and we'd love to have you here. If you are at home and you're enjoying online, and that's where you feel like you need to be, we encourage you to do that, and we thank you for connecting with us in that way. We love you. We pray. We thank you for all that you're doing. And we, uh, any way we can serve and help you, please let us know. God bless you guys. Hasta el próximo. Until next time, let's keep each other in prayer. Amen.
God bless you.